With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Berry. And once again, the Arizona Wildcats got to play a football game, which was good in this season especially. But once again, they lost that football game 27-10 to to UCLA. That was when, Brett, both you and I uh, predicted wins for Arizona. But, of course, when we were making those predictions, we assumed Grant Cannell would play more than a down in this game. He got hurt on the very first play from the scrimmage. Arizona was competitive, but they did not have enough to beat the UCLA Bruins in Pasadena. Yeah, unfortunately, that first play of the game uh, was very telling for the way Arizona's offense would function and specifically the offensive line would function. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say that Will Plummer for being thrown in without even like, you know, probably being particularly warmed up as the backup quarterback. You know, he looked confident out there. The stats weren't great but he looked pretty mobile and decisive uh, overall. Um, you, you see promising things for the future from him, but obviously Grant Gannell's the starter for a reason. Uh, but I think that game also revealed that if you don't, if, if this offensive line doesn't improve significantly, it's going to be very hard to break that losing streak, unfortunately. Yeah, and the hardest part about trying to judge this game is I'm fairly confident UCLA is terrible. That is not a good football team. They're 2-2 two and two now after beating Arizona. Grand Chase Griffin was their quarterback. He's their backup, and he was wholly unimpressive. Like, he was not particularly good. He wasn't really much for throwing the ball. Demetri Felton was good. I mean, he was great in this game, 206 yards rushing and a touchdown. But Arizona was in this game the entire way, and if not for a botched snap in the fourth quarter, could have gotten within a touchdown with about 10 minutes left. They were in this football game even with Will Plummer, who... The true freshman, I guess there were a lot of people who were surprised that he was the one who was brought into the game because I guess the assumption was Rhett Rodriguez was the backup quarterback, which, okay, but I assume even watching Plumber as like we got to, he's raw, he's inexperienced, but the talent is there. He's mobile, he's got a decent arm, he just wasn't on the same page with his receivers. But you're right, the offensive line, which <laughs> got to be the most disappointing aspect of this team going in from what we've seen three games in, right? Like the receivers we thought would be better but it's even hard for the receivers to be better with the offensive line being so bad. And in this case, like Grant Cannell's gotten beat up pretty good the first couple of games. This game, it took all of one play. He landed on his shoulder. We're recording on Tuesday. We don't know the status of Grant Cannell. Kevin Sullivan in his press conference said that he wants to play, but they're going to be safe and all that. And he also mentioned that it's college football. He doesn't have to give an injury update <laughs> like they do in the NFL. So it's we'll see with Grant Cannell. But I just I watched watch the game, and Arizona's defense played really well in the second half which if you want to take some positives, that's it. They gave up seven points in the second half. They kept the team in the game. 
Will Plummer was adequate coming in cold with few first-team reps probably at all this season as a true freshman in his first-ever game action. Like, Arizona was competitive. But competitive, they, how do I say this? Because Arizona, I would say, with their starting quarterback, beats UCLA with their backup quarterback. So, like, if Dorian Thompson, if he had played, who knows what this game looks like. UCLA, though, is not a good football team. Arizona being simply competitive with bad football teams is not worth celebration. Like, that, it's not. But I do think if Arizona has Grant Connell, they win this game. I do think that. I think it's a different game, right? Um, I think the challenge is this was a different offensive struggle for Arizona. I think we all thought, um, you and I certainly did, that the offense would be a strength for the, the Wildcats this year. And we talked about the offensive line. They returned a lot of experience and you know maybe not superstar talent, but enough talent there to be successful, right? Yeah. And this game was different than the Washington game, in which Washington just had superior talent, and they just beat the guy. Their defensive line and linebackers just beat the guy in front of them. You know, UCLA was manufacturing some of this stuff, and part of that's you know you have a true freshman quarterback that wasn't planning on playing at all gets thrown in there, and an offensive line especially certain guys that are on there. We found out after the game that Jordan Morgan missed the game for an injury, right? Mm-hmm. So you you started a walk-on tackle and then... Left tackle, you know, by the way. Or, or, left yeah. tackle. <laughs> well, and, you know, the left tackle spot wasn't the, the, the worst tackle spot that night because Peyton Fears had a hard... Had, he had a hard time. He had a rough night. But, He's had a rough season. You know, yeah, um... And that's where, but UCLA was throwing a lot more, you know, disguised blitzes, coming with guys from all over the place. Basically, all the things you don't want to have with a young quarterback in a line that is struggling to make calls and, you know, um, guys that are maybe shouldn't be playing or walk on starting at the line with a true freshman quarterback that I think exacerbated a lot of the problems. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you'd like to think that with Gannell, you can maybe he's probably a little more experienced about recognizing where the blitzes are coming from, how to handle that. Uh, so to your point, I think it's a different game. Um, I do. I mean, the first half of the defense kind of stunk too, you know, <laughs> like they're giving the ball to Felton. I think I tweeted on the wildcat radio handle uh, starting the second half. I'm like, guess what defense they're giving it to Felton 75% of the times. So then the first, four plays they gave it to him three times and the fourth i think was a was the punt um <laughs> so they kind of their tackling was atrocious in the first half but yes. they put up a, they put up a fight in the second half right like their tackling regressed like we saw improved tackling in in the usc game for sure the first half was kind of more like last year's defense but by the second half you know the guys were putting up the the guys on defense were putting up more of a fight and you know poor christian roland wallace and lorenzo burns there's literally no depth behind them now they're playing every snap including coverage um and so if you if you squint hard and want to look for like optimism it's not the defense as many yards as uh felton got you know the defense wasn't necessarily the problem there right um and considering the defense was on the field a lot a lot of the time due to the struggles of the offense you know we're in this interesting spot where i, I think you're right the offensive line is the most disappointing position group. And now we're in this interesting spot where that is essentially holding back the entire offense. And then you exacerbate that with an injured starting quarterback. And 
that's how you end up struggling so much. And that impacts both sides of the ball over the course of the game. Oh, absolutely. And But that's why I look at this game where now Arizona's three games into this strange season. The first game, a lot of optimism, even though they lost. They were competitive. You could argue they should have beat USC right out of the gate. Like, that was an impressive performance. Then they go to Washington against a really good football team or a team that's gotten better over the course of their season now. And it was, like you said, just dominated because the talent gap was so wide. Like, it wasn't even like they did anything fancy. They were just better in pretty much every facet of the game. This game, UCLA, I are they more talented than Arizona? Maybe, but it's hard to say. It's hard for me to get anything out of this game overall because UCLA, again, I don't think UCLA is any good. I don't. Watching them, their offense isn't very good. They're very one-dimensional. Their defense, they're not supremely talented. They ended up just taking advantage of an Arizona team that had their true freshman quarterback out there. Now, you could argue that Arizona's offensive line was a problem. They would have been a problem no matter who was behind center. You know, they haven't been better just for Grant Cannell. And to the point that Will Plummer, his legs, made a difference in this game. Where he's a mobile quarterback, it was kind of shades of Khalil Tate again to a degree. You know, as Grant Cannell is okay running, Will Plummer is more of a runner. He ran for 49 yards in this game. Had some big runs. Had a 26-yard run, I think, on like his first series. That's a dimension that you don't get from Grant Cannell. And that's something where if Will Plummer is the quarterback going forward, and we don't know the status of Cannell, but assume that even if he might be able to play against Colorado this weekend, Will Plummer is going to get more snaps during the week. He'd have to. And if he's going to be the guy, the offense will look different because Will Plummer is not Grant Cannell in terms of their skill sets and everything like that. Never mind this, the experience that Cannell has that Plummer doesn't. Plummer can run. He seems more apt to run. He didn't look intimidated by the stage. Like he was out there slinging the ball around. He looked fairly confident. He just is a true freshman. <laughs> he's not like a Tua yeah. type of true freshman. He's not a five-star, you know, can't-miss prospect true freshman. He's just a true freshman who showed some ability but also showed some flaws. But, of course, those flaws were when he was just thrust into the game with no warm-up, no game plan, no nothing, and they had to figure it out. The defense did well in the second half to keep them in the game, and that's what made this so frustrating because – if you would have said, or anybody would have said that Arizona's going to give up 27 points in a game, like if they gave 27 points every game, all six games this season, how many of those do you think they would win? Just going before the season started, how many would you say they'd win? I think they, in a, in the six-game season? In a six-game season, if they gave up 27 points each game, how many do you think they'd win? I would have thought it, two to three at a minimum. I would have thought it's a four-win season, probably, because Arizona's offense was supposed to be a strength. It was supposed to be that good. And it's hard to look at them and say, okay, they only scored 10 points against UCLA, and they're not good because, again, it was their backup quarterback, their true freshman. But the offensive line has been bad. Now, I do think that with their starting quarterback, there's different things they could do. Some of the misses that Plummer had, some of the mistakes he made, Gunnell doesn't. And maybe Gunnell makes some better throws because there were, there were open receivers he missed. I think Castile in the end zone on one, he overshot him. You know, there are different things that happen and different things you can run with your starting quarterback. But this was a game that Arizona could have won even with all those things that went wrong because they were competitive in the second half. This wasn't like the Washington game, but they never had a chance. But unlike the Washington game, they weren't playing a good football team here either. So if you want to if you want to take some if you want to take some positives, it's I guess the defense kept them in in the second half. But I don't want to just. I don't want to praise the defense for holding down a one-dimensional UCLA team you know, to seven points, and those seven points came off a turnover, I think, in the fourth quarter. And the offense, as much as I want to downgrade them, I'll be like, oh, maybe, maybe not downgrade I want to almost say, like, well, it's your backup quarterback. Okay, that's going to happen. Well, their backup quarterback was in the game because their offensive line, which has been bad, was bad. 
So I, as much as I want to be optimistic about them being competitive, I can't be optimistic about them being competitive in a game against a bad football team. And I know, again, UCLA is now 2-2 two and two on the season. That's not a good football team that Arizona just lost to. It's just not. I don't think you're wrong. But I, and I think you're. I don't think you're wrong. Uh, I think UCLA is garbage, uh, but I also don't think you're wrong. That's like I. I don't know how much you can take away from this game specifically, um, largely due to the Ganell injury, because uh, that just, you know, what whatever problems the O line was having, that just made it a hundred times worse when you have a freshman quarterback and they're just like blood in the water, right? Or a freshman quarterback who's more mobile though. How many times did he escape where Gunnell doesn't do that? Like, we don't know. We don't know. I don't know. USC Gunnell was like, uh, you know, <laughs> L.A. Dylan Smith fan. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. it's it's hard to know. Um, I mean, UCLA, you know, they, they mitigated Chase Griffin. They were giving the ball to Felton a lot, and they gave the ball to Felton. A lot. Mm-hmm. And even one third of Chase Griffin's 12 completions were to Felton. Right. <laughs> um, and that guy is like both slippery and weirdly strong for not being that big of a guy. Like he's just got a little bit of an it factor there, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, and some of it was just poor tackling on Arizona's part. And some of it's just when you're when your corners are having to try to make tackles like Lorenzo Burns, God bless him. He's he's he seems to have emerged as a leader, but like when he's got a big running back coming at him one on one, he's going to try to throw his body at him and still lose 80 percent of the time. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, Anthony Pandy had a pretty solid game. I thought Christian Rowan Wallace has had a pretty good season. He was solid in this one. Trevon Mason had a pretty good game too. Rourke Freeberg was good again. But this is all against a bad team that had a bad quarterback. They're back a quarterback mind you, but a bad quarterback and a running back. Well, if you want to give them two with Britton Brown as well, he had a touchdown, but like this was a bad offense that 27 points is fine. Arizona should be able to win by giving up 27 points. This game, they didn't probably in large part because they had their back of quarterback because their starter got hurt on the first play of the game. But the problems that we saw against Washington, like the offensive line struggling, you could give them a pass when it was Washington. You can't give them a pass when it's UCLA. <laughs> and I know UCLA gets a pass rush. They manufacture a lot like that. But you know that going in. You know, the first play, I don't, I don't know if it was McCauley who missed a read or there was like an extra, like just an unblocked linebacker, which maybe Gunnell has to make a check or someone has to read that and they didn't. There's all sorts of failures there that caused that to happen. But I just, I'm not particularly down on the team not any more so than I was last week. If it sounds like that, that's not what I'm going for here. But I'm just not looking at this game and trying to find a ton of positives, in part because, again, like I'm hedging, the defense was good, or the defense was good enough against a bad offense, and the offense itself was bad, but they didn't have their starting quarterback. Like, I just don't think you can take too much of this game, other than it's Arizona's 10th straight loss, which is a program record now. They they showed the graphic on Fox about, like, the elite company Arizona's in in terms of (laughs) longest active losing streaks, and it's not where you want to be. But... It's. I had written for Desert Swarm, AZ Desert Swarm, and we talked about this was a winnable game for Arizona. Their first true yeah. winnable game of the season. It was also the last road game, at least until maybe the extra seventh game, depending on where that one would be if it ever if it gets played. But this was a winnable game. Watching UCLA, it was a winnable game. Even with Arizona's backup quarterback, it was a winnable game. But they made just enough mistakes to lose. 
And you can blame the offensive line, absolutely, because the offensive line wasn't good. You could blame the defense for a bad first half because that's fair. They weren't good in the first half. But have we seen Arizona? Like, we saw them get blown out the week before. We saw them blow a chance at a win the week before that. This game was just, eh. And I wish you could take something from it, but I don't think you can take much of anything. Yeah, the the whole game had an out-of-sorts feel for the Arizona Wildcats, right? Like, the first half, the defense was struggling, and the offense was a little bit out-of-sorts due to Gannell getting hurt, and they were gifted, you know, God bless Chip Kelly going for it on fourth down deep in, <laughs> in her own, towards their own end zone. Which was a great play by the defense that the offense capitalized on. Yeah. Um, you know, the once again, the defense wasn't, wasn't great. They weren't even, hell, they weren't even that good, but they were good enough to win overall. Mm-hmm. You know, they were inconsistent. In the second half, um, you know, when was the last time that an Arizona defense forced three straight three and outs? That yeah. you can remember. Um, and there was a couple times where it's just like, it, watching that whole second half, it was just like, God, if, if Arizona could just get a turnover and get a little bit of positivity and momentum, you feel you could sense that it would maybe shift things a little well, they bit. They had the punt that was tipped, but I don't know how it wasn't blocked. Like that would have been, a, I forget what the score was at the time. I think it was a two score game still, but it was deep in UCLA territory. And I, got, I think I texted you, I'm like, how is that not blocked? I mean, I think it was. Oh, we got a hand on it. I forget who it was. I mean, he got like two hands on it and almost, you know, gave the football a kiss as it went by and somehow it just still carried 30-something. If that ball is redirected like an actual like a block where it goes backwards behind the punter or something, you either pick it up and run it in for a touchdown or you have a 10-yard field. Like, and that's the bounce that does a Arizona's way, right? They did everything right on that play, except that one, what's well, like Christian Roland Wallace against USC. You know, that half an inch, that's the difference between him picking off that last pass and it getting to St. Brown. That half inch here, wherever the ball is, wherever your hand is, is the difference between the ball getting deflected and still going 30 yards or getting sent right back into the punter's face, and who knows what happens from there. Yeah, and, <laughs> you know, the old narrative game, if Christian Roland Wallace gets that interception or just knocks it incomplete in that context. And Arizona pulls out that USC game, even if the Washington game was a disaster and UCLA went exactly as, as they did, you know, there's a different vibe around the program. Right. And then Mm -hmm. right now it's, you know, a lot of the hot topic is all of the various opt outs. And, you know, there's, I think we're going to talk about some of the stuff with the feisty comments, shall we say from some of the players and, and uh, Kevin, someone. Yeah. Uh, Cause like, I, you know, that game and right now, to me, um, there's a lot of angst built up, right? And it's it's kind of a gut check time. And it's, uh, you know, you're going to find out who's 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 in it to steal an old Rich Rodism, who likes football and who loves football and who are competitors. And, like, bluntly, the people that – the difference between people that like to win and the people that hate to lose, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I think right now we're going to find out who are the people that hate that hate to lose. And, uh, you know, based on some of the comments, even from Kevin, someone, I, I, I think he has. Uh, for better or worse, sorted some things out. Uh, the challenge is there's not much depth on the roster to be able to really, you know, follow through with some threats of benching guys uh, and then having somebody ready to take their place. You're not Arizona's going to be relying on a lot of walk ons, right? Which isn't necessarily the recipe for success, 
<laughs> Arizona walk-ons are not necessarily the same as everyone else's walk-ons. I imagine it's still relative. But, yeah, even in the last, what, week, Mackenzie Barnes, Christian Young, Malik Hausman, Bobby Wolf maybe has opted out. Uh, Kari Crump, er- Edric Whitley left the program. They are, I would assume, kicked off the team for something. That's all in the secondary. Um, we're recording again on Tuesday. Drew Dixon has also opted out, the wide receiver, who came in and played against UCLA had a decent game and we could almost let's start with Drew Dixon because that's like I think kind of sets the tone for this like what you're saying in terms of uh trying to figure things out Kevin someone was asking his weekly press conference about Drew Dixon like oh you know he had a pretty good game you know is that just because he has more comfort with Will Plummer a pretty easy pretty easy question not a difficult one to answer and this was the head coach's answer though on Drew Dixon's emergence against UCLA you know, he, he played 70-some plays the, first, the, the week before. Didn't play the first game um, because of some other issues. Um, played 70-some plays the week before, and nobody knew he was on the field. Um, did not start the game last Saturday night. So that might have had something to do with his performance. So reading into that, and we've all listened to a lot of coach press conferences, when unprompted you mentioned he was on the field for 70 plays the week before, and you would have never noticed basically he made no impact like what was the point of him being out there and then mentions how maybe the fact that he didn't start against UCLA is why he had a good game Drew Dixon was a Rich Rodriguez recruit who did miss the first game of the season against USC but he was expected to have a decent sized role with the team this year now after his best game of the short season he decides to opt out that we don't know the exact why but it's probably it's not hard to I guess, connect the dots with this one. Yeah, you're supposed to leave me a second of pause there, Adam, because I was going to respond from coming back from that clip with a meow. <laughs> um, Not a pew-pew? I mean, yeah, Kevin, someone, it, it, you know, maybe there's the tension that Kevin someone is feeling, uh, the pressure on his job and the pressure of the losses, but also I don't think that that, even bubbles up unless there's a lot more going on behind <laughs> behind the yeah. scenes with Drew Dixon specifically, and Kevin Sumlin in some other clips was talking about how you know took it took it a front to some of our uh, uh, the uh, Arizona Daily Star reporters asking the questions with all the opt outs like a handful and it's like no you know he kind of took umbrage with the, the the verbiage basically saying that some of these guys are injured and it's basically not worth it for them uh, they're just going to opt out because of that. You know, who knows how many people opted out because of COVID. And then I think there's the last group that <laughs> it seems like Drew Dixon is maybe a part of, of that group that basically there's there. It's it's hard for us to know on the outside looking in. Um, and, the, you know, it's hard to blame the to, to side with the coach or the player. And the, the right answer probably lies somewhere in between. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's not a, it's not a good look for the program in general. But, so, you know, it, the the team right now reminds me of old, like, basketball teams that I was on in high school. And even when they were, like, we were decent or struggling. And sometimes good teams would have bad stretches. Um, and when you're dealing with a lot of, like, teenage guys, like, <laughs> even in col- on the college teams, there's a lot of guys that are 18, 19, 20 years old, right? Mm-hmm. It's... Uh, some of these things in the in a, in a non-social media world uh, would get handled kind of in the background, and people get upset about playing time or coaches having favorites or not, you know, or non-favorites or people that they they feel slighted. 
I think the challenge right now, especially with the COVID rules where basically anybody can opt out at any time and not be penalized in any way, it's kind of adding a layer of uh, of awkwardness to you know what motivates somebody to choose to opt out. Um, and we don't know for most of the part for for the most part. Um, I don't think it's on a, it's not on us to to criticize anybody who chooses to opt out because well, I'm sure there are people that have opted out for the right reasons. Yes and no, I think. I'll stop you right there because I sure. think before this season, guys like J.B. Brown or Bam Smith opted out, you can make the case that, I mean, it's absolutely, there's a pandemic happening right now. And if you didn't feel safe playing football, you didn't think it was going to be easy to do or pull off, then by all means, opt out. You know, that, that makes total sense. And if you were like the Schooler brothers who transferred because they thought the Pac-12 and Arizona might not even play, that all makes sense to me. Or if you wanted to transfer in the offseason because like you wanted to go play for a higher-profile program, sure. like They exist out there. There's better football programs in Arizona. But Arizona started the season. They're three games and four weeks into the actual schedule. They've done, a, by all accounts, a really good job of managing COVID within their own locker room. Like They've kept the virus away, it seems like, with other programs who had the games canceled because of uh, COVID. Arizona hasn't had a game canceled because of their own issues. So far, knock on wood. If you're opting out right now, it's probably not. And I, I guess there's a there's a possibility. I haven't talked to these guys. I don't know. But it seems very unlikely that they're opting up because of COVID concerns. Now, maybe they're like, oh, well, they see the numbers going on around them and the rest of the country. And they're like, oh, well, this, maybe I don't want to be playing football right now. But like for Drew Dixon, who just played, for all these guys who've been with the team this whole time, for them to decide now here on in December, early December, late November, that now I don't feel safe with COVID, that I have a hard time believing. Doesn't mean it's not possible. Yeah. Now, and if someone legit has COVID, it's like, I do too. I've opted out of a lot of things myself over the last how many how many months. I get it. But <laughs> Adam, some you, of these... Adam, you've opted out of working out for long before COVID. <laughs> exactly. So like, I get that. But at the same time, it certainly seems like a lot of these guys are saying, looking at the situation and saying, this team's lost 10 straight games. Maybe they're not playing a lot. Maybe would, when it comes to Drew Dixon, there's a whole separate issue there between him and the coaching staff. That wouldn't shock me based on you know even someone's comments. But yeah. now it, it's, it is a weird situation because you can't officially be, like, be mad at them for opting out because, yeah, the opt-out is there for a reason, for a good reason. That yeah. ability is there to do that without recourse, without discipline and all that. But if you're opting out right now with two regular season games left, as part of a team that has done a good job of managing the virus, it would appear, that says there's other issues, other things at play here. Maybe it's you don't like the playing time. Maybe you have injuries. You know, that's been part of it too. Guys are just hurt. They're like, ah, this just isn't happening this season. That's fine. But there's, we guess we won't know unless guys come out and say why they opted out. But like when it first sounds like you saw the opt-outs, there are statements, you know, worried about COVID, this and that's like, hey, understand that. Totally cool. That's not what's happening here. Even Drew Dixon, he tweeted something. I think he uh, per, he blocked his Twitter account now or locked it so you can't see it. But about respecting his decision, doing what's best for him and his career. Nothing about COVID. You know, so it's hard for me to believe that he yeah. was opting out because of COVID. The other guys, I guess we can't be sure. But I, well, it has created a bit of, seems to create a bit of a rift in the locker room, though. Yeah, but I, I think there's even, like, if you really want to think think this through to, like, what are all the potential issues happening you know, part of it could be some of these guys that were not playing the first couple games were due to not like I'm pretty sure Bobby Wolf didn't play for non 
injury or on the field issues, right? And that can cover a whole manner of sins. Um, you know, and look at look at Edgar Barola. He's I don't my understanding is he's still not been invited back after he uh, did not follow COVID protocols and approach things maybe poorly. And so like we compliment Arizona on how they've handled COVID and how much of that with a bunch of 18 to 22 year olds. Um, you know, we, I guess my, what I'm saying is we don't know. And like those kind of protocols add a whole other layer of, of challenges to, mm -hmm. to enforcing those rules. And when you don't have depth and they're not playing and then they get upset about that, uh, that they're not playing and then they have an option for opting out. Everything just gets more and more complicated. And then, you know, we talked about Bobby Wolf, who hasn't officially opted out. And I think someone talked about how some people have, you know, somebody, he posted something on like his Instagram story that he was opting out. Um, you know, and someone made a reference in the press conference of some people are saying that on social media and then they're on the field the next week, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think part of the challenge of modern college sports in general with you know in, in in social media being prevalent is that a lot of 18 19 20 plus year olds uh you know to grown adults uh with social media are able to vocalize their frustrations and thoughts on all things at all times mm -hmm. and maybe that's not the the wisest thing to do is i think a lot of uh shall we say more mature people have kind of figured out uh when they have expectations of what they want to do with their careers or whatnot not even mature people have figured it out <laughs> but so like yeah you know and that's where if if i was a coach i would want to be able to be like hey you do you're on social media blackout of anything team related and that's an automatic suspension if you ever say anything blah 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 but that's you know how do you enforce that on a roster with 100 something guys right yeah um and it's just a different thing in a social media environment whereas you know sometimes people would be complaining to friends or something around campus that if it got heard by the wrong people would go badly. But the problem is people, and, and especially in COVID time, people don't talk to people because they're not interacting with them and people uh, put those things on social media and that's hard to, to manage. And even if it's just a temporary frustration um, and I think that's what someone kind of referred to with some of the, the guys that have kind of voiced frustrations at times and then gotten back on the field. And some of that's just, you know, having a little bit of that, it's it's an inflection point in terms of, you know, everybody from someone down to the, the walk-on sees to have a gut check moment and who wants to be here uh, and who doesn't want to be here, right? Yeah, and when you lose 10 straight games, it's understandable if a lot of people say they don't want to be here. Josh McCauley, a former walk-on center, he's the guy, who, he's one of the toughest guys on the team. We know he came back even to play last year against ASU and he probably wasn't right. <laughs> you know, but he wanted to play in the rivalry game. He was asked about that, too, with players opting out on a Tuesday, and this is what he had to say. It's that type of thing. It's you don't want, you don't want to come to work, but, like, those guys are getting out of the building, um, and the guys that want to win are staying here, and I think that's, that's really good for us. Like, is it really good for you in theory? Like, in a vacuum, yes. It's always good if players who don't really want to be there and put in the work are gone, of course. Is it? Good for this team that has zero depth at most positions. Well, it's not helpful. And at the same time, obviously, it's very subjective, right? These guys all started wanting to play, wanting to be there. And over the course of the season, whether it's all the losing, whether it's some of the coaching, like you got these defensive backs who are working for Greg or new defensive coordinator or secondary coach, 
uh, burns, right? Like you have all these different things where it's like maybe it's just not working for them. All of it combined leaves them saying, you know what, it's not worth it. But it's just like this is a team that obviously has problems. There's issues with the coaching staff in terms of are they the right coaches. There's issues with the roster not being good enough, not being deep enough. They have two more winnable games in front of them against Colorado and ASU, assuming those games do happen. And I guess this season didn't offer them that break of a non-conference win. Like this losing streak doesn't happen in a normal season. You beat right. Portland State. You beat Hawaii probably. You know, this losing streak does not get to 10 in a normal season, but yet their losing streak is at 10. It's been more than a calendar year since any of these guys have won, I guess, guys who were on the team last year. True freshmen might have won a game in the last calendar year, but <laughs> these, this team, this program has not won a game in more than a calendar year. They're underdogs again. They're going to be underdogs the rest of this season. And the idea that, okay, this is good for the team to kind of weed out the guys who don't want to be here and don't want to put in the work. Like, I get the concept, but I'm not sure if it works for this team. I think that's, that's fair. I honestly, I think it's a, it's a weird moment right now because like someone in a normal context environment where Arizona's finances weren't a disaster would be probably at a hotter seat than he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the financial reality is something that is a challenge. And if you're to me, what's happening right now uh, in terms of Josh McCauley's comments, which I, 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 I listened to his whole interview and clearly that guy is a, is, is a mature leader on the team. I liked when then, uh, Michael Lev, good friend of the program asked him how his health is. He's like, I'm good. How are you? Like, how's yours? <laughs> <laughs> like I, I laughed about that. I chuckled at that. Um, yeah, it's, and I mean, he, he even took responsibility on some of the blitz reads. Um, and you know, he, he was acting the way a leader should act. And that was, a uh, that, them, I would say them's are fighting words when he basically calls out guys to get out of the building. But I was, I will, I'll rephrase that and say that them should be fighting words with the guys you want to go, you know, to battle with on a football field, especially. And yeah. if they're not, if they're not in it, um, you know, maybe, maybe you don't beat Colorado or ASU, but there's, there is something to be something to be said for building that right kind of culture. And I think in Arizona, you know, it's not a program that's going to get four and five star guys, but you need the guys like Josh McCauley that are more that kind of blue collar mentality and the hate to lose grind it out kind of guys. Cause you're just, you're just not going to get the flashy five star Uber talents. Right. Yeah. Um, and so to me right now, it's, it's gut check time for the program overall. And it's it's a it's a period of consternation and frustration, and I think probably held by the fans as as much or more than the than a lot of the players. And bluntly, that's kind of I think the problem that Josh McCauley is calling out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the difference between the guys that like to win and hate to lose. And the problem is, if you like to win, you're you're, it's 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 hard to actually win because the the people that tend to grind it out at least at a school like Arizona are the ones that hate to lose. So in my mind, that kind of comment, you know, it's almost like a a more massive scale of, you know, losing a game to bench a starter to prove a point. Right now, it's like we're willing to kind of punt on the season and go to go go fight the battles with the guys that are all pulling the rope in the same direction, and hopefully some of them will 
have an attitude adjustment and come back and be productive and great teammates. But I, it's, 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 it's an inflection point where it's going to go. It's either the start of really building it back up, um, kind of from that, from that, that ground up, or it's going to kind of, or it's going to completely spiral, but we don't have the money to fire someone or start over anyway. So if I'm, if I'm someone, I, I don't, I, I don't know if I would have been as feisty uh, in terms of like calling out Drew Dixon basically very <laughs> aggressively. Well, he probably knew um, Dixon was planning on opting out when that question was answered. I would yeah. hope he knew. <laughs> and by and by opting out, I think if we read between the lines here is that Drew Dixon was basically quitting on the team, right? Yeah. Um, and he he's he's probably the one that has the worst, at least from the outside looking in. He it's not a good look for him personally. Um. But that's I'm kind of a more of an old school team guy in that sense. Um, and it's sad because he actually had his best game of the season by far and had some nice plays. <laughs> but, um, you know, th- this it, this is that I, I dare say that this is the time for the team to bear down, Adam. <sighs> it, it, it's true. Well, Brett, Arizona does have a couple games left in the season. The next one is once again, one of the most winnable on their slate. Let's talk about it after this break. We're back, guys. And, Brett, I remember when the season started, when the schedule came out, no one looked at Colorado and said, that's a game that Arizona is going to lose. We all thought, oh, that's a game Arizona is going to win. And yet, here they are entering the game, underdogs, once again. Uh, Colorado has been good this season, but they strike me as that team that's been good because they've played all the really bad teams. But at the same time, you deserve credit for being less bad than everyone else. <laughs> They're coming to Tucson, Colorado, one of the few teams that Arizona's had success against in recent years. I, It's a winnable game, and it's one that I feel like Arizona has to win. Yeah. It, it, it's funny because Colorado's 3-0, and but they've got to be the worst 3-0 and team in college football, right? I would think so. Um. So so yeah, at at home, granted there's no crowd noise. Um, not that there would be a lot of crowd noise <laughs> after a ten game losing streak at home in Arizona Stadium. And you know, it's not like Colorado has looked uh, dominating <laughs> in any of their games. No. Um, they beat a bad Stanford team by three points. They beat San Diego State twenty to ten, and a they game beat... that they knew about like twenty four hours in advance, forty eight hours in advance. Yeah, and and they beat UCLA the first game of the season 48 to 42 but i think we're all in agreement that UCLA is not great and clearly that was when UCLA did not know to just give the ball to Demetric Felton cuz he only had 10 carries that game <laughs> what's going on <laughs> they they really figured out their game planning um so i i think there's a few things when you look at this game it sounds like you know a i think you got to hope that some guys that were missed the game due to injury, like Jordan Morgan, can come back. Because um, Arizona is so thin right now, especially at certain position groups. Lord knows you cannot afford to have any even like dinged up guys. Um, I'm curious to see if there's going to be some shuffling to try to, you know, like last year there were times when they, the defense adjusted to put the three best linebackers on the field at the same time, even if they were ostensibly the same position. I think you got to do the same thing with the O line. Not sure you can, though, because I mean, certain positions are more specialized than others. 
I think I think all all indications are that Josh Baker, the true freshman center, is going to be a stud. Um, I think you can you can maybe have him play guard and move Donovan Lay to a tackle spot, um, and then hopefully Jordan Morgan back. Uh, that's that's what I kind of would expect to see. Um, you know, there's Jamari Williams is another guard, uh, Don, Josh Donovan who can play guard ostensibly. Um, I mean, not to sing, keep singling out Peyton Fears, but people were feasting on him <laughs> the last yeah. two games, right? And like, there's just there's no way around it, right? Um, so I think you got to find a way to get even if even if you don't do as many screen players or change, you know, change your offensive play calling fewer, you know, for fewer pulling of the guards when guys are not as practiced up. I think you got to figure that out. I think if you can solve the O-line issues that, you know, the O-line issue has been so bad that they've just destroyed Arizona's chances in the UCLA game, basically single-handedly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and basically against Washington, albeit against much better competition. And if you do that, you at least put yourself in a chance to be competitive and and hopefully with like the focus of all of, of all the angst and all the distractions of all the opt outs, you know, this is a good opportunity for the, the Wildcats to end that losing streak. Well, it's a great opportunity to end the losing streak. And you, we mentioned it is the opportunity. Yeah, Colorado is three and oh, but there are two games that were canceled were ASU and USC, <laughs> two teams that are probably pretty good. You know, whereas Arizona had some bad schedule luck, never mind when the schedule was released, but how it's kind of played out. Colorado had great schedule luck. And not that they were trying to duck these teams. They would happily, I'm sure, played every one of those teams on their schedule. But they're not a 3-0 and football team. You look, you watch them play. You see who they be, and you look at their stats. They are not a 3-0 and football team. They are, I mean, are they the worst team in the Pac-12? They're not going to be there record-wise because they already have three wins. But roster-wise, this is not a good team. Carl Durrell's done a good job. Everyone's praising him. But, again, they haven't beaten anyone worth anything. Um, their quarterback, Sam Neuer, he's not particularly good. <laughs> you know, He's got four touchdown passes on the season. He completes 62% of his passes. They don't rely on him. Uh, they don't have LaVisca Chenault. They have his little brother who's got uh, nine catches for 124 yards this season. Uh, Dimitri Stanley, 13 catches for 202 yards and a touchdown. Uh, basically, they try to run the ball with Jarek Broussard, who's got 455 yards and three touchdowns. But this is not a team that's going to wow you offensively, even though, what, they scored 40 against UCLA, but I think there were a lot of turnovers in that game. Stanford, again, wasn't very good, and San Diego State is decent. Colorado scored 20 on them. So this is not a good football team that Arizona's playing for a second straight week. This time they're playing that not-a-good-football team at home, which should be helpful. And this time... I guess whichever quarterback suits up and lines up under center or in the shotgun to take the first snap Saturday, Arizona will have planned for that. You know, maybe it's Ganell. Like it's possible because he wasn't wearing a sling on the sideline at the end of the game Saturday against UCLA, which if he separated his shoulder, you'd think he'd be in a sling or something. He was just wearing a hoodie as far as we could tell, but we don't know the reports. And it's hard to imagine that he'd be ready for this game. <laughs> like if his shoulder was bad enough to miss the rest of the UCLA game, how could it be healed in a week? especially to get practicing within a couple of days. You'd want to be practicing for this game. So let's assume it's Will Plummer. Fine, because you can game plan with him. And you're not playing a team that has much better talent than you. I'm not sure you're playing a team that has better talent than you overall, even with some of the opt-outs. So this is a game where I don't care what the records are for either team. 
I'm going to go on record and say I think Arizona's the better football team. But the question is, does all this noise around them, does the losing streak, does all the opt-outs, does whatever pressure's on someone, is that too much for them to handle in this game? You know, we've talked before, even last week, we'll learn a lot about this team. Do, do they quit? They haven't seemed to quit so far in the season. Well, some players, it looks like, have quit on the season. But the ones who are out there, like Josh McCauley wants, are the guys out there who are playing, who are going to go out there on Saturday and play in this football game, are they into it? Are they trying as hard as they can? Do they, could they just not stand to lose that game? And if that's the case, and I think Arizona wins this football game, I do. But there's just so many unknowns, and you just, like, will this game tell us a lot? It could, because, man, if you lose this game, no matter how competitive you are or not, if you lose this game, then, like, what, then you're going to go 0-5, I guess, 5 in the games that are scheduled and probably 0-6. And, and that losing streak's going to reach, what, 13? Like, that's, like, so, but if you win this game, it doesn't mean the season's safe, but it does mean that, hey, at least that monkey is off your back. And so it's it's a, as much of a must-win as they've had, I think, over the last couple of years. Yeah, like I said, I think it's an inflection point because this is a winnable game. The, the Wildcats are going to be thin due to opt-outs, injuries, etc. You know, even if it is Will Plummer, he'll have they'll probably have a pretty good sense of that. And he's certainly been getting more snaps regardless. Right. And, and now he has some, a game's worth of film to study and some experience, you know, there it's, it's, it's most likely going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be, they're going to, you know, band together as a team and really put, you know, put up a fight and hopefully come away with a victory or the wheels are falling off and we're heading towards a cliff because there's nothing we're going to do about it because we can't <laughs> financially do anything. Um, so yeah, I, I, I want to be the optimist and think that it's going to be the former, um, especially if Ganell is healthy, if he's not healthy, I think it's just that much more of a challenge. I don't know. Uh, I mean, Colorado struggled to contain Khalil Tate, who was a good runner and an occasionally good passer that may, might be more Will Plummer-esque. Sure. <laughs> Um, I, t- I don't think most of those Colorado defenders are still there. Um, you know, I think regardless, even if it's Plummer with more prep work, he'll be better suited to be making better decisions. You know, the Wildcats know Colorado's saying, hey, look at what UCLA did. We're going to try to throw these exotic blitzes and let's hope that the- it's going to be a test of the coaching staff to say, we know this is going to come because it's, you know, Colorado's staff isn't going to overcomplicate the game plan. They're going to say, hey, you know, confuse these guys with blitzes, pressure the young quarterback, and then don't turn the ball over on offense. <laughs> Pretty right? much. Um, it's, it's, it's not a hard formula in that sense. It's almost like it's, it's, it's like running a prevent defense, but the prevent defense can also prevent you from winning because it becomes very predictable. And if you scheme around it, um, you can, you can, you know, you could take advantage of it. Right. Yeah. So I think in, in that sense, also, I think it's going to be a, a test of the coaching staff because they're going to, it's, you know, scotch tape and popsicle sticks holding the roster together, but they, they should have a really clear sense of what the game plan against them is going to be, at least on offense. And yeah. we think that the talent is there. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's on the coaches to put the players in this, the best chance to be successful to yeah. some extent as well. And, and also, and it's on just, the, okay. 
Yeah, it's an oh, coaches say- too to show that the team hasn't quit on them. Like the guys yeah. out there do want to play hard. And let's be real, the UCLA game, the co- the coaching staff. I don't, you know, I don't think they got a high grade for their uh, adjustments in game plan. But also, some of that got screwed when your starting quarterback goes down on the first play, right? <laughs> I think Arizona's second half, they adjusted. Offensively, they were moving the ball yeah. some, and defensively, they were stopping UCLA, but they just didn't make enough plays. The dropped snap on the field goal attempt, the chip shot field goal attempt, is a prime example. You know, oh, God. Just... I, I, thought that, I, I thought to myself this would be a great time with this freshman quarterback to actually run a fake there and try to get a touchdown that way. And at first, that's what I thought they were doing. I'm like, oh, what a brilliant call. And it's like, oh, no, he just fumbled the snap. <laughs> that's a few drinks in. You think, oh, maybe this drop snap is part of the play. It's the fumble well, ruski on the field goal. I mean, they were struggling to put the ball in the end zone even when they were yes. moving the ball with a young guy. I was like, <laughs> if there ever there was a time to run that, like, you know, which which cor- which kicker was it where they snapped it to the guy and he flicked it to the kicker on the run and he just sprinted it in? Yeah. Um, that was, like... That's the time to try to manufacture something there in my mind. But also, you're only 10 points down. It's a one-score game if you put that in. But I also had no faith in them getting in the end zone at no, that point. No, with good reason. But I, I do have faith that they're going to beat Colorado. I do. Maybe it's misplaced. I mean, every win I predicted this season, well, all one of the wins I predicted this, we- this season was misplaced optimism. But I look at this and say, I mean, it is that kind of tipping point. It is that inflection point. And I'm really interested to see, like, I don't think most of the team has quit on someone. I think it helps that most of the players that are left were someone recruits. Like, these guys signed up to play for Kevin Selman, so they're not going to quit on him, even with this losing streak, because a lot of them figure, like, he's going to be the coach next year. They're going to be around, so, you know, that's the guy they want to play for. Will they have enough talent? I think they'll have enough talent to compete and compete with and beat Colorado at home. I do I do see that. I think I see, like, a final score of, I don't know, say 34-20. to 20. Like, I don't think Colorado's any good. I don't think their record their record belies their talent. And maybe they're going to prove me wrong. Or maybe someone's going to prove me wrong on Saturday. <laughs> it might be Colorado. It might be Arizona. It might be a combination of both. But this is a game that I think Arizona needs to win. I think It's a game I think Arizona's going to win. Hey, Adam, that water looks nice. I'll jump in there with you. <laughs> um, I, I, my, I only think that it's... I think the game's going to be lower scoring because I think the defense for Arizona maybe started to figure some stuff out and got a little more focused. Trayvon Mason low-key had a pretty solid game uh, in the UCLA game, especially early. You know I, I've, you, you know me from the offseason, I'm pretty high on Trayvon Mason as a difference mm-hmm. maker, and I think he showed it in that game. Um, so I think... And, and I can't imagine Colorado's offensive line is a far superior talent or size to our defensive line. So I think there's going to be an opportunity there for the defense. Um, I think it's going to be lower scoring because I still think we're going to, there's, there's still some issues in just hedging with Gunnell potentially being injured or not having his full repertoire at his disposal. So we say with the nursing or, you know, protecting a, a shoulder. Yeah. I will go. I'll jump in that water with you, Adam. I'm going to say Arizona wins 24, 21. Ooh, okay, a close one. Um, well, anyway, so hopefully we're right. We might, I mean, we're running out of chances. But, you know, this would be a nice win just for Arizona to end the losing streak, to enjoy a victory for the first time in a long time. And no matter which quarterback it is, there would be something to build off of. Um, so that's a game that's supposed to happen on Saturday. 
Brett, let's take a break, and then when we come back, talk about a basketball team that played a game and might play another one this season. We'll see. Welcome back. And, Brett, Arizona's basketball season, the men's basketball team, they got started on Friday, November 27th. They beat Grambling State 74-55. It was never really close. It was equal parts impressive for some players, kind of unimpressive for others, but it was just a game. Um, Then Arizona's next game, the 29th against UTEP, was canceled because UTEP had a COVID issue. Then their Pac-12 opener, or December 2nd against Colorado, was canceled because Colorado has a COVID issue. And their next scheduled game that's still scheduled is December 5th against Northern Colorado. Maybe. But Arizona played one basketball game, again, 74-55. Obviously, an opponent like that in the first game of the season, not a lot you can really take from it, I don't think, other than the fact that James Akinjo and Jordan Brown, who we thought were going to be two of this team's best players and the team was going to have to rely on to be their best players, were, in fact, at least in this game, their best players. Yeah, everything in watching that game, there was very little surprises from what I think you and I expected, or certainly what I expected. Um, Akinjo, if anything, looked, you know, every I, I had relatively high expectations for him. I basically thought he was maybe Mark Lyons, but maybe a little better. And I think that's what he looked like in that game. And he's clearly uh, the most important player on the team. Uh, Jordan Brown. Can you can you quietly have almost a double double in the first half, <laughs> and like you know like he he's a guy that's not demanding the ball, but or you know going to single handedly win win you a game, but he's sure as hell not going to lose the game for you, and he's going to do a lot of the little things that help you win. Um, so, and I I say that in the sense of there's a lot of value to that, especially a, a true legitimate big man. He had 19 um, points, 15 rebounds, three block shots, two assists in this game, and a steal. And it was That's the least, excellent. And it, it, yeah, he had a very, he was just an efficient, heady, smart player. He hit a, a jumper early that looked nice. If he's hitting, you know, mid-range jumpers, uh, Dalen Terry had a, a three or two that looked really nice. That if he's hitting outside shots, you know that that moves the needle on the season. Uh, Dalen Terry looked. Uh, all everything, all all that you wanted to see out of a guy that's a a future NBA type guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still obviously a little raw, but he clearly has a good feel for the game. You know, Ben, as as we like to call him, great athlete. You, Very you see raw. the athleticism. You he, I mean, he hit a three, but he also bricked a couple shots, and you know, there was shot eight free throws though. Like his athleticism yeah. was on display in this game. There, I mean, there was times in this game where it was definitely the Sean Miller offensive pass it to center, pass it to wing, back to center, back to wing. Holds it. Holds it. Holds it. Simpsons reference that I tweeted yes. out during the game. For those of you who are listening that don't know what I was saying. Um, Look it up. It's funny. And sometimes sometimes a frustration with Miller's offense, I feel like, and we talked about it last season, and, it, you know, it, it there's you need some some alpha dogs out there that are wanting to attack because otherwise a motion offense is just going through the motions. And then it's like, Oh crap, the shot clock is running down. Get it to the guy who's going to get the shot. Um, and that's not how a motion offense needs to function. But also I think it's a product of Sean Miller being a very, uh, <laughs> controlling coach for lack of a better term. <laughs> well, it's it's uh, also the first game with a mostly new roster. Yeah. Christian Coloco started. he, Showed his potential. Good rebounder, good defensive presence. Needs to be more aggressive, especially finishing. 
uh, miss what should have been a dunk by trying to lay it in and miss that. Just he, I don't want to say he played soft, but he played tentative offensively, which for a guy who's still learning that side of the court, it's understandable. He's not confident offensively, but he needs to get there. He, he played like a guy that um, doesn't realize that he is bigger and stronger than the people around him, and he can just, you know, go up and dunk on all of them. So a disappointing seven points and nine rebounds. <laughs> no blocks, yeah. but other guys were getting block shots in that game. He was a presence. Well, and him and Jordan Brown on the court at the same time together, I would have thought Tubelis would have been starting um, in, with Brown at the five. It, which is, it, So it's an interesting choice in that sense. Who knows if it'll hold. Um, but, boy, with those two guys, you get some length and you have rebounding, where if the other team is going to miss some shots... And if you got Dale and Terry, a very lanky, long wing that's got good size, you know, defensive rebounding should not be an issue. If people miss no. a shot, their possession is probably over against Arizona. Um, and, it, and then you hope that you can uh, get Coloco to be aggressive enough on, on, on the offensive end. And he doesn't have to be creating his own shot. Just take what the defense has given you or what, you know, he's great in transition. Uh, hopefully we can get some offense generated off of defense, as is always the case for Arizona basketball. I think that's one of the, their best offense is a good defense that gets them in transition, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there are some guys that I was hoping to see better out of Jamal Baker, but sure. again, it's like the first game. Who knows? Uh, Terrell Brown was very interesting because at Seattle, he was definitely a guy that are like, go get us points. Um, and most of his points were, you know, unassisted, you know, go create your own shot. And he was definitely not playing that role that entire game. In fact, if anything, he was doing all the little things that a high basketball IQ guy would do. That's seven assists. Would, yeah. Two steals. In college, seven assists is, you know, unheard of, especially for a for a reserve player, right? Um, so I think he, he's going to be an interesting one to watch because obviously the scoring capability is there. Uh, it's just you know, how do these guys kind of all fit together? And then if Kirk Carissa comes back, how does he play? Um, Ira Lee was out with the concussion. Um, how, you know, where do his minutes come from? Uh, Tabellus probably was one of the, you know, on the slightly disappointing side because I think he's more has more ability and potential than he showed in that game. But it's also a guy adjusting to a new country, a new team uh, in this weird feel of an exhibition thing with you know the cardboard cutout of mike bibby glaring at you well that's the that's the weird thing too with and the unfortunate thing about arizona losing some of these early season games like any game that you get postponed or canceled is disappointing because we just want to watch them play we want to watch them grow and certain guys with this team there's just so many new players guys who are new to american basketball new to college game especially where it's like they just need to play and you could see the talent with like the high scores with i guess ben is i don't no, if you went to a tradition like that, but those guys, you, you can see the raw athleticism. They just need to polish their games, which they're true freshmen. Like, that's common. For someone like Tubelis, Azulis Tubelis, he came over as more refined, and he looked like he was in control out there, but he just didn't do anything particularly impressive. Like, he looked like he was playing within himself, but wasn't yeah. doing anything like, wow, that guy was good. And maybe they won't need him to be, and maybe there'll be some games where they do, and he is. You know, but if you watch this game, and I'm sure pretty much every Arizona basketball fan did, like, I guess they were a 30-point favorite. They only won by 19, but it was also just like, okay, 30 points is a lot to expect of a team that you don't even know. 
Like, we don't know how good this team is. To expect them to beat anyone by 30, I think, is a bit of a tall order. But they were in control of this game the entire way. Kinjo and Brown were very good. The freshmen, especially Terry and Ben, showed the potential. They showed what there is to like about them. But they're also true freshmen playing in their first basketball game. Jamal Baker couldn't hit a shot, but he was taking good shots. He was just missing them. Coloco was getting good looks, wasn't dunking like he should, but he's also very raw too. So if we look at this season, again, it's only one game, but if we look at this season as just can they build, can they grow, well, at least based on that one game, there's a lot to work with. There's a lot to be intrigued by, and in some cases, like Akinjo and Brown, excited by. But they just need to play more basketball games and see where this crazy season goes. And like we were saying earlier, we don't know exactly when the next game will happen. Allegedly, it's December 5th against Northern Colorado in Tucson, but Mm. everything is up to the (laughs) NAU game did get rescheduled for December 7th, so that's good. That was the first game that got postponed. So just they need to play, and every time they play, we'll get a chance to see certain guys grow, see if they're progressing, and that's all we're looking for from this team, especially early in the season. Yeah, and uh, I believe today we're recording on December 1st. uh, New Mexico State got scheduled, I think, on December 12th, Mm-hmm. which makes sense because they're, you know, a reasonable non-conference team that's, you know, only a couple-hour drive uh, Aren't they away. playing? Aren't they, didn't they move to Arizona, Mexico yeah, State? Yeah, I, is... I think they're... <laughs> the, in the 247 article, it says the Aggies are currently stationed at the Arizona Gra- uh, Grand Resort in Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, so you might as well um, because, play the Arizona schools. And, I mean... Las Cruces is not far from Tucson anyway, so it's even if they were going back home, that's a quick drive. Um, but yeah, the moral of the game was, you know, the good news is Akinjo looked like everything we hoped he would be, um, and they're they're going to go as far as his star power takes him, plus the development of the young guys. And the young guys kind of there was there wasn't anything shocking in this game, and anybody that looks at like a Vegas line of 30 points in a game and gets concerned about the spread is, you know, those are fool's bets in my opinion, but (laughs) yeah, you know, so there's, there's, there's not much to get too excited over or freaked out over in that game. I think you're right. It's, we just need to see more games and see how they develop, see how they gel and develop a chemistry, you know, hopefully start to see guys figuring out their roles some guys maybe getting a little more confidence to be, I, I personally want to see more attacking on offense. Um, and then as the, as the talent level rises, let's see how the defense looks. Yeah, that works for me. Um, anyway, everybody, thanks again for listening. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at wildcat radio. AZ is the handle. Brett often takes control of that during games. He's delightful. Um, Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, I enjoy some of those tweets, a lot of those tweets. <laughs> Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, pretty much everywhere you can get your podcast. You can find Wildcat Radio. Uh, subscribe, rate us, give us reviews. We're happy to do it. If you have any questions, as always, send them to at Wildcat Radio AZ on Twitter. We'll be happy to answer them on the show on our next one, which will be next week, talking about hopefully Arizona's first football victory of the season and maybe another basketball game that actually happened. So until then... Remember to wear your masks, stay healthy, stay safe out there. Remember to bear down. Bear down.